with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What's up, family? How are you guys doing tonight? I'm excited to be in studio again. You know what? I'm just so stoked that this show is still happening. You know, um, just to be here on a Saturday night to, to talk to everyone that's listening. I know a lot of people uh, catch it on the fly when they're driving their car, or maybe you're tuning in from the Whosoever's app. That's amazing, too. We obviously have all of our past shows on there for the last two years, hitting every single subject possible. I interview awesome guests all the time, just like I have an amazing guest tonight. But also, um, we know that during the week, a lot of people catch the stuff on YouTube or just go to the app and try to catch up on the shows. The whole goal with the show is to address issues that are going on in culture. To, you know, we, we hold the Bible to everything that we see because as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And, um, you know, we could say these are the craziest times ever. But honestly, I mean, when you go back to the Old Testament and Second Chronicles, no, not Second Chronicles. Um, now I can't even think about it. I did it in the wake up message. Um, I think it was actually in in Second Chronicles. It was uh, the time of King Manasseh's reign. And what was going on then is he was the most evil king to reign during that time. And what he would do is um, in the temple worship, he allowed uh, them to worship the god of, of astrology. They had the, the astrology gods. They worship uh, the stars, basically. They were into witchcraft. Um, they even had uh, mediums there. This is what it says in the Bible. They were mediums. That means that there was people that were demon-possessed, and the demons would be speaking to the people, um, being mediums and speaking to the people, and they would be getting like, you know, what they would thought were like future events or like insight on their life, just like we have psychics and astrology and all that stuff today. But they also worshiped the god of Molech, the god of Ashtoreth. And then, you know, when you would worship those gods, when you would worship the god of Ashtoreth, that was the god of porn, basically. And what you would do is they would have this god of Ashtoreth, and it would be a, a woman god. And it would be, the way it would be designed is it would be designed to sexually arouse you. And what would happen is the way you would worship the god of Ashtoreth is that you would break out into an orgy. So now here you are in the temple, which the temple was made to worship Jehovah back then. But what happened is the world got infiltrated and it came into the church. So when you would worship the God of worship the God of Ashtoreth, you would get aroused, your sexual appetite would flame up, and then you would have sex in an orgy format with a bunch of random people. Then what happens when you get aroused and you start having sex with random people? People start getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then what happens when you get pregnant? You have babies. So what happens is you have these babies that are unwanted babies. What do you do with them? You don't even know who they are if you're in an orgy. So then what would happen is the devil is so sly that he had the people worshiping the God of Molech. The way you would worship the God of Molech back in the Old Testament is it was a calf God. And they would heat the God up super hot. And this is actually where the drum circles uh, came from. If you look at the history and they would start playing the drums loud, super loud. And then what they would do is they would heat up the hands of this god Molech red hot. And then they would offer the babies and they would throw them into the fire of the newborns. So they would worship the god of Ashtoreth. 
And then they would worship the god of Molech. And basically, the god of Molech was the god of pleasure. They were too busy having fun. Who wants to take care of kids? Their life was more important than this life in front of them. So they just throw the baby into the fire and burn it alive. So what is the difference today of people watching pornography? They're getting aroused. Their sexual appetite. You know, uh, you've heard me drop this statistic before. I need to get a new one, but I can't get a good, accurate one. This came from Promise Keepers like 12 years ago. It said 68% of men in the church consume pornography. And I know Leslie probably has some good – she's going to bring the the new current statistics of what's going on now. But those numbers were old. That was before the smartphones. And I know an average kid nowadays – Gets into pornography, it actually just went down a couple years at six years old. Average screen time for people is 10 to 11 hours a day. Pornography has grown. 50% of of people in church are getting divorces because of pornography. I have women coming up to me. I have men coming up to me. I have students coming up to me talking to me about that they're hooked on porn. So what's going on today? There's nothing new under the sun. Basically, like King Solomon said, people are worshiping the God of Ashtoreth. That is pornography. The only difference is now we don't admit that we have a God. Back then, they actually said they had a God called Ashtoreth. And then what do they do from there? They basically go decide that they don't want to have kids for several reasons. And we're going to talk about this tonight. But let's just say, like the girl that I got abor- the, the, I, I got married to a girl in my 20s. Early 20s, 21 or something, or 22. I got her pregnant. She went and aborted the kid without telling me because she felt she was too young to have the kid. For selfish reasons. I had no idea. Aborted the kid. She went and worshipped the god of Molech. Then I got her pregnant again with twins, identical twins. One died out from vanishing twin. She told me. About the, you know, I knew that we were pregnant at this time. One died out from vanishing twins. So I decided that, you know, we were going to, we were going to have this kid and I was going to raise her and I was going to be the best dang dad I could possibly be. And what happened is a couple weeks later, she called me and she decided that she wasn't going to have the other kid. She was too young and she had too much going on, but she had nothing going on. I was paying for everything. She didn't have to do anything. All she had to do is raise the kid. She had everything she needed to raise this kid. Didn't even have to work. And what did she do? I said, listen, if you decide to abort this kid, then I'm going to leave you. And she felt it was more important to abort the kid because she was too young and break the relationship with me. And she went to the abortion clinic and aborted the kid, worshiping the God of Molech. I had no control. And there's guys out there that have no control. But then there's guys out there that have total control Mm -hmm. and total influence. So what I decided is I wanted to call my good friend. Leslie, in studio, Leslie Salazar-Carrillo. She's the CEO of Pathway Health Clinic in Vista, California. I've had her on before. We've talked about other things. But tonight, I wanted to bring her in because we are talking about what's going on in culture. In the news, there was a law that was just passed to in Virginia. Actually, I'm going to let you do the talking. <laughs> but that's my intro, and I'm so psyched <laughs> to have her in studio. Welcome. Thanks. No, it's good. I, it's always good coming up and seeing you. It's always come, good to come back to Orange County. I was raised in Orange County. I'm an Anaheim girl. So I'm an Orange County girl. 
Hey, welcome back. Yeah. Traffic's <laughs> crazy. Um, it is now, huh? Yeah. But it's always good coming in, and especially talking to you, one, because you and I are, are really like-minded and we're out. We're seeing all of this stuff. We're seeing, we're talking to people. And we're in the middle of it. We are yeah. in the middle of it. You know, we're at ground level and that's where I like being. And, and, you know, this is my dream job of I get to pour into people when they're at their most vulnerable. And so that's that's amazing because you get a chance to reach into somebody's life when nobody else maybe would. And so for me, that's like you know, sometimes I can't even believe that this is, you know, my life. But no, and I, I, it is, you know, ever since. So the law that you're talking about actually happened in New York. And so um, and really. So let's kind of frame this a little bit. The law that they passed in New York, um, that all everything that they put in place in New York already was in place with Roe v. Wade. They just decided to enforce it. So when Roe v. Wade was written, it was written so loosely that abortion could happen at any time. Tell the listeners what that is. So they so Roe v. Wade is the 1973 uh, case that made abortion legal in the United States. Since Roe v. Wade uh, became the law of the federal law, the federal law said you can abort your child. It is legal. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be because um, the life of the mother is in danger. It's you can abort if you choose to. Mm -hmm. What they wrote in that law was that um, that they – purposely wrote it loosely where the health of the mother could include her mental health. Right. So if she's cannot handle this kid, she thinks she can't, she is allowed to abort. So there's seven States right now that have that on their books. The reason why New York, it was such a big deal in New York is, um, well, it's New York. And two, they were celebrating it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're celebrating the death of children. And so that's why it was such a big deal. And so if you looked at that, if you look online at the people who were celebrating with uh, Governor Cuomo, it's the same woman who helped write Roe v. Wade, that landmark case. Back then. Yeah. Wow. But so, so Norma McCreevy, who was Roe in that case, they lied. The whole thing was a lie. She said that she had been raped and she wasn't – she actually wasn't. Norma McCreevy actually became a believer later in her life really? and became pro-life. Wow. Bernard Nathanson was uh, the OBGYN that was pushing for Roe v. Wade. He was an abortion provider. He, he was pushing for Roe v. Wade to become legal. He became a believer not long after Roe v. Wade, and he said, we lied. We lied about everything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. And so so the woman that – and I can't remember her name. The woman that helped write the law, Roe v. Wade, that, that she was the attorney, She, if you look at transcripts of how they talked about Norma McCreevy, they totally used her. They called her stupid. Then she was, you know, an idiot, and they just used her. So that same woman – that said all these things about this poor Norma McCreevy, who was really just kind of a pawn for them, was sitting next to Cuomo in that press conference smiling 
because they put into practice what she wanted the whole time is that you can abort up until the time of birth. So so we don't get this twisted. If you talk to any reputable OBGYN, there is actually no reason, medical reason, to abort a child in the ninth month. There's none. Because they'll say, well, it's to save the life of the mother. It is actually more dangerous to do a late-term abortion for the mother. Really? Yes. Because it's that, a, yeah. Yeah, because it's a two- to three-day process. So if she's in danger, you admit her and you do an emergency C-section. Right. Or you admit her and you stabilize her. Right. So to abort, to do a late-term abortion, it's it can it can be two to three, even four days because – To abort. Yeah. To abort. If it's so a full she's baby, in, yeah. Yes. Because so if she's in that much danger, then you want to get that baby out, out as quick, yeah. soon as possible. C-section fast. So anyway, so there's just lies wrapped all around. So let's, For sure. That's like the law. And, and it is Molech revisited. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, we are in a, a culture today of, um, so of generational lies. So they'll tell you, and, and I don't care what anybody says, there were not thousands of women dying from illegal abortions. A couple of hundred, maybe. And that doesn't mean that those lives aren't valuable. Bernard Nathanson came out and said, we lied about that. We pushed that number to the media and the media sold it to the public because we wanted this law passed. Yeah. The reason why they know it wasn't thousands because they didn't keep record. They didn't keep track of that. They just made up a number off the top of their head and said, this sounds good. Let's push that. And and the media pushed it and society. Fake news it. has been happening yep. a long time. So here we are now <laughs> since since that law happened um, over 40 years ago. And since that time, 60 million Children have been aborted in the United States. Someone just posted on my Instagram. 60 million. million. In the United States. So Gutmacher, who is- 60 million children. Are not here. Crazy. So Gutmacher, which is the- um, They gather all the numbers for Planned Parenthood. Uh, They're 2014, 15 numbers, which- Because they update, like the CDC, every three years- Mm -hmm. Every year, 926,000 abortions happen in the United States. Every year. Wow. So we have to look at, and this is where... Uh, are they uh, Are they going up? Is, it, is there like... No, yeah, well, they're, say, they're saying that they're going down. With, is it, are they going down with this next younger generation? Because they say that this younger generation is a little bit more conservative. The Generation Z is a little bit more conservative. Yeah. But they're younger. Well, let's see where that goes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of reasons if if I had to hazard a guess. They've had more access to information. Yep. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. About let's talk about what real information is. So they have more access to information. They – so sexual activity is actually down, but porn consumption is up. So – but the crazy thing is sexual activity is down, but STDs are at an all-time high. I, th- I just sent you that article. Oh, you, you, that's funny because I just saw it on the UK Mail yesterday. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah all-time high. 
All-time high. But did it say it's like with the 40s, like 30s and 40s, or is it with the youngsters too? Well, it's still the millennials. Oh, actually, the one you sent me was for the youngs. Yeah. It's also STDs at an all-time high yeah. with the 40-year-olds too. Oh, yeah. I just read that. Some of the highest rates of STDs are in nursing homes. Nursing homes. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so, just get that visual on that. So, anyway. I got to throw up. Is there a bucket Yeah, I know. Seriously. So, <laughs> so, yes, for right now, so... Abortions, yes, overall are going down. They're at an all-time high at, like, I think 2013 and 2016. However, look at what has come into play. You have got Plan B, which if conception has happened, it what it does is it thins out the lining of the uterus so that, that conception, so that baby has already happened. Mm-hmm. It's floating down. It cannot implant into the uterus. Wait, what is Plan B? Plan B is so it's three times the is that the is that a pill? It's the morning after pill. Morning after pill. Yeah. Okay, got it. So it's three times a normal birth control pill, but so if you take it and right. conception hasn't happened, it can block conception. Right. But if uh, conception has happened, it causes an abortion. But we're not reg- we're not keeping track of those numbers. So I don't really believe that abortion is down. Yeah, because you can just go buy that at a store. Yeah, a thirteen-year-old can go buy it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so those numbers are way higher than I think so. Yeah. So and what be. what's happening too and and cuz you're in the schools and I spend a lot of time with young people is they um girls are hoarding plan Bs and so they're using it as their birth control. So you're having a young 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old girl using three times the normal amount of birth control pill as birth control. In 10 years, you're going to see some infertility issues. Okay, so hold on. So how do you – so you're saying they're taking it They're buying them and buying them and buying them, and that's what they're using. So they just keep popping them. Every like, time they have sex, the, they're taking yeah. them. So there's going to be some serious damages going on there. Serious damage. We haven't even seen those effects yet. Nope. About 10 years, you're going to see it. Okay, so there's that. Okay. So then, um, so then we have this culture – of because I see it all the time, and this is this is where we need to not be as Christians, as people who walk in kingdom culture. We cannot say that abortion is wrong unless we're willing to offer a better alternative. Mm-hmm. We, what we need to stop saying is, she just wants to live her life and she doesn't want any consequences. Stop that. Mm-hmm. We need to stop that. Let me tell you who's walking into our center. She's 16 years old, and nobody told her that she could say no. Nobody told her that she was valuable enough to say no. She, and, and this is just, I'm just telling you what we see. She's the college student, and he said he loved her. But when that pregnancy test became positive, that love looked very different. And he's like, I can't do this. She's married. And she didn't know he was done with the marriage, and she's pregnant. She's married, and this baby came very quickly after the last baby, and they're barely making it. What is she going to do? What are they going to do? Wow. That's who we're seeing. And so when we play the blame-shame game, Mm. when we're saying, well, she just wants to, and I'm not saying that, like, your situation, that, I see that in the center, too. Yeah. No, but there's more. There's there's more than just that that particular view. So- 50% 50% of women who abort go to church. 50%. 50% of women 
who now they may not go regularly, yeah. but they'll say that they've gone to church in the last month. Right. So what what's going on here? What is how have we failed as believers where she would rather abort than go to her church and say, I've made him I need help. Because she, what she doesn't want to hear is, uh, you were just trying to live your life, and now what? Now you want to? There's consequences to it. We need to just there has to be more grace, a whole lot more grace. Yeah, because because you have to find. Everyone has to see. That's the thing. Everyone has a story. It doesn't matter what kind of life you're living, what whatever kind of lifestyle you have to. There's reasons why things happen. Yeah, and it, okay. And even if she is living that life and she doesn't want the consequences, grace needs to abound. Mm. We need to come alongside her and love her right where she's at. Mm. The difference between what we do and what other organizations who don't affirm life do is they want you to make a decision like that because you're going to jump from A to Z without thinking what's in between. Yeah. And what what the consequences after, after that. What we do and any... A, a good pregnancy medical clinic will do is we want to slow that conversation down. We want to, okay, so you need a pregnancy test. You need a, okay, based on that, you're going to need an ultrasound. And then we're, let's make some decisions after that. Yep. Because what she's doing is she's slowing down that thought process. Because anybody in a crisis is going to jump from oh, easy. Yeah. 100%. And I know it sounds like a twisted theology and because – I don't think either one of us are in a crisis right now. Although you had your triplets' birthday party today, so that would. I've been. Hey, no, I've been in crisis, and yeah, you make erratic decisions. Yeah, so I know she'll say she'll say I can't. So when we talk, we talk about all three options because she's got three options, and that's it. You can parent, you can place for adoption, or you can abort. Right. Each one of those has consequences. Lifetime. She will say, I can't know my child is out there, so I need to abort. And I know you and I sitting here right now are like, that's crazy. But to her, it makes sense. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, and, and, you know, I've heard Ryan's story so many times, and it's tragic to me that he's like, no, I'm going to do this. But I can't tell you how many women we sit across from, and she's like, he he says I have to abort. He he's going to leave. He he won't be there. And this is why the majority of women want think about abortion. She can't imagine doing it by herself. Yep. So guys, and 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 I've seen and I've seen guys like I can't. We can't afford this. We can't. But she's saying I can't do this alone. Now our culture has said. It's her body, her choice. Yes. And men don't have a voice. Yes. That's what they say. So so when they come in, we hear it all the time from guys, well, whatever she decides. But she inside is saying- She wants him to say something. Yeah. She wants him to step up. Yeah. And so I'm all, I'll go out and sit and talk with the guys. Um, Go ahead. All that. You know, if you're listening, uh, you have uh, Leslie, the CEO of Pathway Health Clinic in Vista, California in studio. And- um, yeah, if you they want to get a hold of her, look, Google it, Pathway Health Clinic in Vista, California. So you have guys come in all the time. Yeah, 
so and I'll and because I spend a lot of time in probation school, so a lot of times they're the guys I've seen in probation school. Yeah. And um so they're like and I'll sit down and say, Okay, but what do you think what do you really think she wants? And he's like, I don't know. And I said, What if she said, I really need I really want to have this baby? What would you say? He's like, I I I don't know. I never thought about it. Okay, so what if, what if you had people that came alongside and said, you know, we can't raise this kid for you, but we're going to help you from here to here to here, and then we're going to bring a lot of good other people alongside you, and they're going to be your support network, and and so we're going to walk with you. See, that's what I'm saying is we can't say abortion is wrong unless we offer a better alternative, Right. and that's what – our organizations like Pathway is, it's the better alternative because we're going to come alongside and we're going to help them. But guys, let me tell you, and I know that there's guys out there right now that have, Ryan, a similar story to yours. And 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 I'm not playing any blame-shame game, but does she believe that you're not going to be there because you've proven so far that you're not going to be there? Is she not trusting you because of your past actions? She can't trust you to be there. And I'm not saying that every relationship should end a marriage because there are some relationships that should never end a marriage. But are you willing? Two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. You can't just – I've seen that. I'm going to let you finish, but I've seen that also too where someone gets pregnant and they're like, you just guys got to get married. And you, they, they're not – they weren't even in love yeah. It happened, and then they're, it's like this old-school mentality. Just get married, and then what happens is it falls apart. It's like, no, why don't you have the kid, work on your relationship with Jesus, and see if things this thing's going to work together? Because I also have a lot of friends that have married a girl that has a kid. There's, there's, there, you know, God will work out those details, but just because you get pregnant, you don't just throw them together, and they just get married, and then that's that, that's a whole nother yeah. Situation. So this is so to me, this is the better alternative. Yeah. <clears throat> she feels comfortable to go to her church or a church. Yeah. The church says, We are so glad that you trusted us and you came to us. We're gonna send you to some good people who are gonna help you during this the early part of your pregnancy. They're going to give you a pregnancy test for free. They're going to give you an ultrasound for free. They probably have parenting classes they can help you with. So they send them to us. We treat them with love, dignity, and respect. In our center, That's we love people like Jesus. Yeah. I don't care what got them in the door. We're going to treat them with love, dignity, and respect. And then we get them stabilized and out of a crisis. We send them back to the church because we're not set up to disciple for long term. We send them back to the church and the church takes it and treats them with love, dignity and respect. And let me let me just say what that single mom does not need. And I speak on it from experience because I was a single mom for 11 years. I was a single mom <clears throat> from <clears throat> the time I was six months pregnant until I married my husband when my son was 11. Being a single mom was the hardest thing that I've ever done. But this is what that single mom does not need. She doesn't need you to find her a husband. She doesn't need somebody to tell her, remind her about the choices that she's made. 
She's not stupid. She needs people to come alongside her and love her. And I had a really good friend. I had a lot of people praying for him. In fact, Mike Roselle, who you just had on, he is a part of my testimony because I heard him speak. And three months later, I got saved. Sweet. But I had a three-year-old kid who had a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. But I had – so my sister was praying for me, so I got saved. And then I had a friend, Kelly, that came alongside. And she didn't try to fix my life. Yeah, she was just there to love you and – She'd invite me to things. If I showed up, great. If I didn't – and I'd probably tell you that that's why I'm a Christian today. Because you know what? What what I've experienced too with with these situations, these young girls that get pregnant, we've we've had a couple, you know, uh, church and whatever – and they, they want to stay away from church because they feel the condemnation and they think everyone's going to judge them. And I, you know, I see them like, dude, hey, let's move forward. Like, yeah. let, let, and that's what they need. They yeah. need that. Yeah. They already have the condemnation. Yeah. That the enemy is just there in their, in their ear. And that's why they go and abort. Yeah. Because it's in, a quick fix. Because it's quick fix, mm-hmm. but they don't realize what Long-term that, consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So – and I know that... Wait, we have 30 seconds before the break. Okay. It's good. Um, all right. Well, I have Leslie, CEO of Pathway Health Clinic in Vista, California. If you guys need to contact her, please do. If you're maybe going through this issue, um, remember, go to the uh, download the Whosoever's app. You can watch all the past shows and this show live. We are on video feed. Um, and yeah, just uh, follow the movement. We are touring high schools. We are trying to reach this generation, so uh, hopefully they won't continue ending up in these uh, situations. We love you guys, and we'll be back in two minutes right after the break. More live with Ryan Race coming up. Everything all right? Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo.
now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what warn you. Loud noises! We have a radical but intense show happening right now. It's, uh, it's very intense, but you know what? It's, it's needed. Um, we've been talking with Leslie Salazar Carrillo. She's the CEO of Pathway Health Clinic in Vista, California. We're talking about abortion killing generations. And we've been talking about just a lot of stuff. And there are triggers right now with, with people that are in the middle of this have been through it or are about to go through it. And you know what, Leslie, I'd like you to uh, to address those things. Yeah, so anytime we talk about this, um, you've got people who have abortion in their history. And what happens is they're like, they're just feeling condemned all over again. And so I, I want to, I'm speaking to you right now. If you, guy or girl, if you have abortion in your history and you're sitting there saying to yourself, See, I knew that this was the worst sin. I'm going to tell you right now that that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because that sin was forgiven at the cross. He forgave you for that and every other sin that you ever committed. And he wants you to walk in the victory of that empty tomb. That is his desire for you. But what I hear from men and women all the time is, God can't forgive me for that sin. And I'm going to tell you that you just made your God very small. Because he can and he will and he has. He did it already. And he wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to be set free. And so every time I'm in a church, um, in churches, we need to talk about this more. We need to talk about the love and forgiveness that's there. Because there's a lot of people sitting in our congregations right now who have abortion in their history. They're, They're the Ryan Reese's of the world who are sitting there like... Either they did it passively, like Ryan, I didn't consent to this and I didn't want this, or they did it. They said, "Nope, you need to abort." Or she I, said, "I've actually no, I we I've got a morning after pill for a girl before." Yeah, I've been on both sides. Yeah, I'm guilty both ways, and I can tell you this, you know that is a heavy that is a heavy thing to to bear, but then you have to realize what was done on the cross. Yeah. It all goes down to what Jesus did. You either believe what he did, that he came on a rescue mission out of eternity to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And with all the blood that was shed on the cross, washes, washes us white as snow. Yeah. And once we understand the mercy and the, the grace of God, that's when we discover the peace of God. We have to know when Jesus says, it is finished, it is finished for all time. And that's how you, you walk in that. If not, if you don't believe it, that's that's what just haunt you because satan anything condemning comes from the enemy satan yeah he's the prince of the world he wants to condemn he wants to condemn and make you think you're all alone you're not alone if you've given your life to christ and you ask for forgiveness you're forgiven yeah finished yeah that's it and walk in that victory that he wants for you he wants that for you and if you need somebody to talk to call us at or get a hold of us at pathway health clinic and i will connect you to a good pregnancy medical clinic that has a post-abortion healing program. We have Dude, awesome. Because we want them to be set free. Yes. Because what happens is when you're not set free, you're going to keep doing, you're going to keep numbing that pain and numbing that pain and numbing that pain. And you've put a wall between you and God. Yeah. Because you're like, he can't forgive me of this. Then don't make your God that small. So 
So, so they, they contact you at your guys's oh, yeah. clinic? Yeah, they can contact. You can ask for me, and uh, we'll I'll get you connected uh, with the one that's closest to you for sure. And, uh, in fact, just give us a call. It's 76. How, how, how many clinics do you guys have? We only have one. one. Okay. Oh, but you'll find someone that's I'll close find to some. them. I'll find some, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So there is, I think, 2,000, 2,500 pregnancy medical clinics across the country. And we get targeted. So I run a pro-life clinic in an anti-life state. Let's just, what happened in New York is coming here. And if anybody thinks that it's not, it's going to. Yeah. So uh, you you better get prepared. So, but yes, there's clinics all over the country that are more than willing to help. And so, you know, when Ryan and I were at the break, I said, you know, we need to address this because it, it causes triggers. So, so then there's people out there right now, a, a couple of things. They're like, well, is it really a baby? So I'm going to give you a little biology right now. Perfect. Is it really a baby? Is it really human? It has human parents. It thereby is human. Two human parents can only make a human. The human heart starts beating 21 days after conception. A woman generally finds out she's pregnant 30 to 35 days after she's pre- after conception. So by the time she finds out that she's pregnant, that heart has beat, been beating for almost 15 days. So this is the thing. If you're like, well, is it really that bad? Everybody has to decide for themselves when is it okay to stop a human heart. When is that okay and when is it justifiable? So, and, and you have to live with that. Yep. So when, when New York came out and all of this stuff, and this is the thing too, is, is I get pretty passionate and I get pretty fiery. And everybody knows I'm a little scrappy. But the thing is I, I will not argue about this and I'm not going to debate people. I'll educate you. But rhetoric and arguing on Facebook and social media and this back and forth, it, it solves nothing. Yeah. And it, so we have the opportunity right now as people who walk under kingdom culture in this unreasonable discussion, because it is unreasonable that we should be talking about aborting a child at any stage, especially in the ninth month. Yes, that's... It's unreasonable, but we have the opportunity to be reasonable, to rise above the noise. And I love, you know, your kill the noise, yep. rise above the noise. Yep. Do not. That argue. is good. So we need, we need to be seen as the sane ones in this insane conversation because it is for any reasonable person, it's insane. I have a lot of friends that are not believers, yeah. and they are just like, "What the heck is happening?" Yeah, it's. I mean, on my like social media and stuff, there, it's just like, yeah. But the thing is, so we look at, well, oh gosh, because it seems like it, the whole thing's just like it's the woman's right, like they're 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 totally taken away from the life of a baby to like it's the woman's right, and that's like the focus. So people are like, yeah, women's right. But really, we're like, no, we're talking about a baby right now. Yeah. Like a life. Yeah. So, again, yeah, exactly. So, let's reframe this. Is it a woman's right to stop the heart of a child? Says the woman whose heart didn't get stopped. Yeah. Is that a woman's right? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, it's an insane concept. 
Who has the and then you'll get the argument of, well, they're not really people. They're not a person yet. Who gets to define personhood? Because in the Holocaust, Jews were not considered people. We're not. Just over 150 years ago, African-Americans were not considered people. Yep. Who gets to decide who's a person Mm -hmm. and who is not? Who gets to decide what people get to live and what people don't? Mm. Who gets that to make that decision? So these are... So these are those conversations when instead of arguing, which I hate arguing, shocking, I know, but (laughs) um, but just pose those questions. So when is that when is that okay? If the human if it's two human parents and the human heart starts beating 21 days after conception, when is it okay? And then just leave it right there and let people answer. Don't argue. Yeah, because they they're going to talk themselves into a circle. So it is okay for a woman, because it's her body, her choice. To stop a human heart at what part? It starts at 21, 22 days after conception. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Yeah. At what part? What part? When is that okay? It's been beating for 15 days already. Yeah. So we get a, we get a baby. We can see the human heart on ultrasound. It's already been beating at six weeks. Six weeks, we can pull up. We can see it on ultrasound. of abortions happen at 12 to 13 weeks. That baby is fully formed. Mm -hmm. So if we define, if we define life as a beating heart and brain waves, we would define death as no heartbeat and no brain waves. Right. So if we define death as no heartbeat, no brain waves, then we have to define life as a beating heart and brain waves. Yep. We have to. And when is that okay? So when people come at you and say, well, you know, what about in the instance of rape? Because we hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. What's the percentage of that? It's less than, I think, 2%. 2%. Because that, that's always the, the big one. It is. Well, what if they get raped? That's 2%. Less than 2%. Less than 2% of the yep. almost a million yep. abortions a year. Yeah. That's just in the U.S. Yes. So 2%. So I am not saying that's not tragic. Horrible. It's horrible. We would both agree on yes. that. The majority of women say that when they go ahead and give birth, whether they place for adoption or they parent their child, it empowers them because when they abort, they're victimized twice. They feel victimized twice. There's some girls that can't even have kids again. Yeah. Because of it. I have a friend like that. Yeah. 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 You've told me about her. Mm-hmm. So it is nobody's saying it's not tragic. And then the, so then they'll bring up, well, what about defects? So in Iceland, for people who didn't know, Iceland a couple years ago came out and said, we've eliminated Down syndrome. I heard that. They didn't eliminate Down syndrome. They eliminated people. So as people who know me. Understand, that's hits home. I do not have a Down syndrome child. I have a child. Uh, well, he's not a child. He's 23. I gave birth to a child who has a very complex heart defect. So what if they said here, well, we're trying to get rid of heart defects. Yep. So your child shouldn't live. It is a very slippery slope when you're going down that road. Mm-hmm. Again, 
who gets to define who a person is. And so I'll tell you that my son has made a huge impact on my life. I'm a believer because of him today because I didn't get saved till he was three. He radically turned my life upside down and inside out in every which way. And I am who I am today because of him. And he has made a huge impact. But how many children are aborted because they said there's a defect and there never was? Mm-hmm. How many children are born? And even if they are born with a defect, his is massive. Yeah. And it's been hard. Yeah. But does he not deserve to be here? Yep. Slippery slope. It is a very slippery slope. So we need to <clears> – <throat> so for you out there who are listening, they're like, well, I still believe it's a woman's choice. Okay. But she has to live with that choice for the rest of her life. And it doesn't just affect her. It affects her family. It affects her future children. It will affect her relationships. The majority of women who abort, not all, but the majority of them, you see a downward slope of drug abuse, multiple sexual partners, alcohol abuse, because they've got so much pain inside of them. From that one decision. And so, church, how are we going to... And and guys. And guys. Because when that happened to me with the abortion, when, when the, the girl's married to um, decided to abort the kid, the second one or third one or whatever it was, and uh, I just dove into the bottle and the powder from my nose and... Anything to numb the pain. Yeah. For a long time. Because it's, yeah, both sides affecting guys and girls. And that's what we don't talk about enough. Mm. We don't talk about what it does to a man. Because a man, God created men to want to protect. That's just how you guys are wired. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, there's something inside of you of, I did not protect this life. And so, yeah, we don't think about men. You know, I remember watching in the we. I was in our ultrasound room, and uh, there was an ultrasound, and he wanted her to parent, and she would not. Now, I don't know what the relationship was outside mm-hmm. of that ultrasound room. I don't know if he had given her reason not to trust that he would be there. I don't know, but. She was her. She was so dead looking because that's not a natural thing to do, you know. And I think she had just numbed herself against what she was going to do. Yeah. He was watching that ultrasound and he had tears in his eyes because he just didn't want her to abort. And, And I just don't think that he had the voice to say, please don't do this. Yeah. I'm begging you. Um. And I just don't think that we address men enough in this conversation and we don't come alongside men enough when they're walking around feeling guilty and trying to numb that pain. You know, even if they consented to the abortion, even if they said, no, this is what I want you to do. And then God comes and does a radical work in their life or they realize what they, you know, consented to. I don't think that we're coming alongside men enough and empowering them enough. You know, and and 
offering healing to them enough because we got some broken men. And I know, Ryan, I, I heard your testimony years and years ago. So Ryan and I have known each other for about 10 years. And it's a crazy story how we met. But And I just remember, and it impacted me so much. You're like, I hated women at that point. I didn't trust them. Yeah. didn't trust them. It's like all of a sudden you just feel like, you just get this bad taste. You're like, how could this girl be so evil to like, we were married, we, you know, buying a house. She didn't have to work. Everything was lined up. And then she just, you know, I say, hey, you know the story. And I just, yeah. and she's just like, you know, I'm doing it. I don't care. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're just like, dude, our girls, like, you see, just the enemy messes with your mind. You're like, dude, every, every, you can't trust girls. Like, they're all like this. Like, they just burn you. You, you, you know, you open your heart to someone else and they just rip it out. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. And so me, in my position, in what I do and what I see every day, my heart is like, okay, but what if somebody sat down with her and said, tell me your fears. Tell me what you're afraid of. Yeah. Tell me what is, what's going on inside of you that's making you so afraid to parent this child. You know, to have both of you – this is where a pregnancy medical clinic yeah. is essential. They get, get intervene, yeah. Yeah, to come in and, and really talk to her and say, tell me – what your fears are. Tell me, and let's talk about this. What does parenting look like in your life right now and in five years? What does placing for adoption look like in your life now and in five years? Yeah, these options. Yeah, and, and what does abortion look like for your life now and in five years? And I, I ask that question a lot in the counseling room. And, and if I'll say, what does abortion look like for your life today? And they're like, well, it's done. I don't have to think about it. What does it look like in five years? Yeah, that's good. What does parenting look like for you right now? You know, and they'll say a lot of stress, you know, whatever. I can't tell my parents. I'm alone. Okay, what does it look like for you in five years? Kindergarten. So that baby has just become real to them. But see, if nobody's coming alongside them and slowing that thought process down and addressing, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of giving up my freedom. Okay, but it's not forever. You know, I'm afraid. This is a lot of women, and I don't know her situation, and I don't think I can be a good parent. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what are your fears? Nobody thinks they're going to be a good parent. Yeah. The fact that my kid's t- almost 24, I'm surprised he made it. <laughs> he raised me. <laughs> Sorry, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, you know, you know, Ryan, you go yeah. to bed at night and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm screwing up these kids so bad. <laughs> like, Did you just read my mind? Yeah. yeah. No, I've just been there. You know. I didn't have triplets either. Yeah. Crystal, I'm praying for you, girl. But. She's doing good. So this is the thing is, okay, so what are your fears? Okay. I, I don't know how to parent. Okay. Guess what? We have parenting classes. We're going to teach you how to be the best parent. Perfect. That's off the list. Yeah. Next. Okay. Yep. And then then what is she left with? Like, well, it makes no sense to me to abort this child. Yeah. But what we're not doing and what we're really bad about doing is making her feel comfortable to come to us. Mm-hmm. She Maybe she didn't know that there was a place like us. Yep. She could go and talk. No judgment. And this is this is where I get on. Christians in in churches and we need to be the no judgment people. We need to be the people that just love her. Look at Jesus. Yes. Look at Jesus. 
the woman yes at the well the the other woman um, thrown at his feet thrown at the feet the tax collectors i mean all these stories jesus was just there who did he get mad at the most the religious people yes they who were judging did, who did he not ever get mad at the what sinner he loved them with you know what this is what we we need to be saying to people mm-hmm. i'm so grateful that you trusted me and you came and told me Let's get you some help. Let's yeah. get you to somebody to talk to. Yep. You know what? We've all we've all we've all made mistakes. Are, we're all sinners. Yeah. But I think sometimes we walk around and saying, I, I, "C.S. Lewis said one time, and and I've heard Daniel Fusco uh, say it too. The sins that we don't struggle with, we seem to think are the worst sins. There are no degrees on sin. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're gonna we we're born a sinner. We're gonna die a sinner." The only thing that saves us is the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet we forget that with other people. Sometimes we forget where we came from too. Yeah. It's so you could you could be uh you could end up just going to church all the time and reading the Bible and get all plugged in and just not be out with people in the trenches or on the ground level, like you said, with sinners because you just got saved and you just separated yourself a lot happens to a lot of people yeah they just get in the church to become institutionalized and then they really they totally forget where they came from and they're like oh these heathens and all these and it's like whoa whoa when people say that i'm like chill out like yeah. who the heck are you are you some like spiritual giant like got it all figured out that's horrible we gotta love the sinner we gotta go we gotta reach them and it's the jesus ministry it's messy it is it's messy really messy they, they they go back and they relapse and then they come back and they, I blew it. I need to get back with God. And you have to take them back in and, or, you know, it's like, it's messy, but you just keep pointing them to Jesus, to the cross. And then one day, just like you and me, mm-hmm. it just sticks, sticks sooner with other people. And some people it takes a little bit longer, you know, the fact that you and I are sitting here believers today, it can only be God. Yes. Only, but. Good people came alongside of us. Yeah. Yep. And they just loved us. Yep. In our it in our filth. Mm-hmm. When we were and even, you know, cuz you first get saved and you kind of walk that fence for a while and yeah. you know the world is still calling. Yeah. And then all of us, don't lie, everybody does it, goes to that real far legalism. And then that's not pleasing to God. So he pulls you back mm-hmm. to grace. Yep. And I I like getting messy. I like coming alongside because I feel closer to Jesus at those moments than, you know, because I'm only relying on him. And I know you, you know, we were just talking about Mexico when you were in Mexico. That's crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to, my husband and I used to be. We have about a minute and a half. On a street corner, like with a drug addicted and the demon possessed. Yep. And, and it was first century church stuff. We were, I mean, I was in my element there. Yeah. Those are the same people that are coming into our center. Those are the same people that are walking around broken and feeling judged. Those are the same people that we need to come alongside and say, I don't care what you did yesterday, the day before, the day before that. I love you. And you know why I love you? Because Jesus loves you. And I'm going to walk alongside of you. This is how, because we have a whole generations of people if we want to get back to 
you know, killing generations. We have generations of people who are not walking this earth today. And I can almost guarantee you why, because somebody did not come alongside them and say, let me help you. Yeah. I have a better alternative for you. Our board pastor just taught on Daniel, you know, when Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, yes. the, the, the yeah. no, give us the alternative. Mm-hmm. This is the better alternative. But we have to be willing to get dirty. We have to be willing to come alongside and look past the shame and look past the sin and just see them as Jesus sees them because they're his whether they know it or not. And sin is sin across the board. Yeah. It's all equal, all equal. Jesus breaks it down at the Sermon on the Mount, you know, looking on a woman. You don't have to go have sex with a woman. Just look on her with lust. That's it. You're sinning. Every man's guilty of that. I mean, we're all equal sinners saved by grace. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Leslie Salazar Carrillo, CEO of Pathway Health Clinic in Vista, California. Google them. Look her up. And if you need help, she will help you guys find a clinic across the United States. Um, it's just awesome. We have a few minutes left. I want to plug, send you guys to the download the Whosoever's app. It's free. It has all the past shows. It has I Am Second Phillips testimonies. I'm teaching the Gospel of John on there. It's a great discipleship app. It's awesome. I love you guys, and I will be on air next week. Love you guys. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.